from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Okay, and now. And, oh, come on, get this together. Everybody <laughs> Welcome to Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. I'm Michelle, my empty nest boil. And this is Mark. <laughs> Mark is super low-key this morning. And we have with us today, Lena Menard from... Niche Consulting. Niche Consulting. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome. Nice to have Hi you. Hi, everyone. Great Thanks to be here. Thanks for sounding so good. <laughs> So, Lena, um, we're super irrelevant in our podcast, so I hope you're ready. Irrelevant or Did you just irreverent? Say irrelevant? <laughs> no, irreverent. You said irrelevant. You said irrelevant. Did I say irrelevant? It. Damn it. Well, we're irrelevant and irreverent. <laughs> we meant irreverent. I meant I'll irreverent. take it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should note now that Perry doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> or alcohol. It's whiskey actually. in the morning. Every morning. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, so um, let's start this over. Clap. <laughs> so, Lena, how are you today? Doing great, thank you. How are you guys doing? We're doing. I'm doing great. I don't know how these other two are doing. I'm doing great. I'm more sober. Oh, that's better than not. Okay. <laughs> Mark just got over a wicked cold. Oh, glad you're feeling better. Thank you. It's good to be here. So we're gonna we're gonna um, in this interview with you, we're going to want to talk about some really cool stuff. And we already know, for our listeners, Lena has a ton of credentials. And you can go to her website, which is, Lena? It is called nichedesignbuild.com. And see all of those credentials. But we're not really interested in talking about your credentials, Lena. Although we are going to give you time to, to promote your workshops. But what we want to talk about are the things that really are going to um, put you on the spot. Wow. Did you just hang up? <laughs> that sounds so hardcore. I'm just kidding. I thought about it. Yeah. Part, part, part. I'm, I'm being somewhat soft, soft and somewhat hard about that. So tell us how you got, what are you all about? How'd you get into tiny houses? Yeah. So I'm all about helping people create their little dream homes. And I got into this because I've been creating my little dream home ever since I was a kid. Started out mostly with Play-Doh and Tinker Toys and Legos and then when I was, um, I guess I was probably about three years old, the first time I made a house for myself, I claimed one of the kitchen cupboards. Um, and uh, my dad finally put a, a little knob on the inside so I could open and close my door without having to bang on it to get them to let me out. Um, so I've been making homes for as long as I can remember. And I've always loved uh, cozy spaces. But I know that there are a lot of great tricks to make cozy spaces also feel spacious and generous and abundant. So a few years ago, I first learned about Dee Williams. She was a huge inspiration for me. Um, but when I read about her and her 84-square-foot house, I thought, ooh, that's amazing, and she's incredible, and it's way too radical, and I could never do that. And then I started thinking about it more and more, and it became this design challenge. And I've always loved design challenges. So I decided I wanted to design and build myself a tiny house. And I actually had the chance to live in a tiny house for about a year to try it out before I committed to building. And that was one of the best things I've ever done because I decided that tiny was definitely for me, 
But that that tiny house, it was 18 feet long and a little less than eight feet wide, was actually too big. So uh, I ended up, when I built my own little house, I built a 100-square-foot house. Wow. And uh, I'm thoroughly loving it. Um, and I'm excited now that I get to help other people design and build their tiny dream homes. Um, that's what I love doing. Well, what ha- so, so um, you kind of skipped over a, a part of this whole background, <laughs> and that is, where, where do you get your desire to want to help other people? I mean, I get that, that tiny houses really appeal to you and you've been doing this all your life, but w- where did you de- what made you decide that you want to help other people do this? Uh, that's no. a good question. That's why I'm here, to ask the good questions. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Or be you know, irrelevant. I'm or not be sure. Irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've always been interested in helping professions, and I've considered a lot of different things. I was actually considering medicine for a while. Um, but I found that my love, you know, the thing I'm really most passionate about is home. I love thinking about home, creating home, figuring out the best ways to make spaces that are sustainable, um, but beyond sustainable places that help people thrive. So I had so much fun building my little house that I'm excited about helping other people on that adventure. One of the things that's really cool about the tiny house movement is how many people in the tiny house movement are do-it-yourselfers. You know, people with this real independent, entrepreneurial, can-do attitude. And I think that's awesome. But I also know that there are quite a few folks who want to do it themselves, but not alone. And that's what I'm really excited about, is helping people who want to give it a go, but know that they could probably use some guidance along the way. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it for me, is just being able to support other people in achieving their dreams in the way that a lot of people have helped me to achieve mine. Awesome. My story is a little like yours. Um, I've been building chicken coops and forts and tree houses, and I did the same thing. I actually took over a, a cupboard in my parents' in my parents' house. So nice. we, we we share. In my case, um, I came from a really large family, and so having a really small space or a space to myself, no matter how small, was really important to me. Um, can you draw any analogies to the? You know, did you? parents have a huge, huge, huge house, or um, tell us a little bit more about your background and your family life and whether or not you can sort of attribute that to your affinity for small spaces. Oh, absolutely. Um, Like you, Michelle, I actually come from a large family, too. I have five sisters, and we often lived in fairly small spaces, and so I grew up sharing a room. I think at one point there were four of us in one room, which (laughs) for most places in the world isn't many, but here in America, four four girls in one room is quite a lot. Yeah, we had Um, six. We had six in my room. (laughs) Right. So I, you know, I got used to having uh, a little bit of space and sharing a lot of a lot of space and sharing a lot of resources um, with other people. We also moved around a lot. Um, and I think that that's something that has influenced my interest in kind of figuring out what makes home, you know, is it when you have, you know, that piece of art up on the wall that it starts to feel like home or is it when you, you know, find the nearby, you know, coffee shop or park that it starts to feel like home? Um, is it when you do something to make the place your own, you know, when you paint a wall or when you, um, you know, fix something that starts to make it feel like home. So yes, I've moved yes, around yes, a lot. Yes, and yes. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's a big part of my interest in having a little house that I can move without moving out. You know, I can move on without moving out, and I think that's a big part of the appeal. Um, I don't think I'll always live in my tiny house, 
but I also feel like it's a really great, um, really great comfort to have a little place of my own. That's great. Well, first of all, if you could go back in time, no tiny house, make it a tiny bathroom, and rent it by the hour to your sisters would have been awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, so one question that's kind of interesting based on what you just said is we do hear um, and, and have read, but, you know, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that love their tiny houses, and that's when they're in right now, they do say, you know, this isn't my forever house. They know they're going to need something bigger usually when it comes time for <clears throat> families and children and pets and all that kind of thing. Is that the, I don't know, that, Jesus, I just made a statement. It's not even a question, but do, do, you, <laughs> do, you, do you see a lot of that then as well too, where there's that, that's the kind of beginning side of things when people are young and then the other side of things when people are older and thinking about retirement? Definitely. I see a lot of that. You know, most of the folks I talk to in the tiniest movement, certainly not everybody, um, but a lot of the folks I talk to are either young folks getting started um, or older folks who are winding down the home journey in terms of thinking, you know, hey, they're going to have to carry me out feet first. Um, and so I think of tiny homes to, you know, to a certain extent as either starter homes or stopper homes, mm-hmm. you know, a place that, that you might have on either end of a life cycle. But on the other hand, there are certainly people, you know, in the middle of their lives who have decided a tiny home is right for them too. Um, for me, I do hope that with, you know, partnership and parenting, I will be able to do that in a bigger space. I think 100 square feet is uh, not necessarily conducive to healthy relationships. Um, although the couples that I know living in tiny houses, I think tiny houses are a good uh, litmus test. You know, if uh, if your relationship, you know, if you're trying to challenge your relationship, cramming yourself into a small space is a pretty good way to figure out if it's going <laughs> to cut the mustard, you know? Sounds like a so. terrible idea. <laughs> Only so one of us I is coming out of that tiny, tiny houses as a couple generally are folks who are pretty sure they can do it well. Um, so I think I think it is really an interesting an interesting challenge, um, but certainly not for everybody. And I don't I don't believe everybody should live in a tiny house. And I can certainly understand why not everybody wants to. On the other hand, I feel like for me, being a young person with a tiny house, it's providing a lot of flexibility for me. You know, I might decide that in the future I want to rent out my tiny house to someone else, or I might want to use it as my office space or an art studio. I might want to, you know, have one of my sisters or one of my cousins use the space in some way at some point. Um, I may decide that I want to travel more and, you know, do that in my little house. Uh, I just see there being a lot of different ways that my house can be used in the future. So I think that it was a good investment in providing me housing flexibility. I can't wait for someone who's in the stopper home that you mentioned before end up getting buried in their tiny house. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. New idea. You know, somebody did once upon a time, I I try not to read uh, many of the comments, um, well, I do and I don't. I go back and forth. Sometimes reading the comments on uh, some of the stories about tiny houses is just infuriating. Yeah. And other times it's really inspiring and encouraging. Uh, but one person called my house the copper coffin, oh. um, which was such a dig, you know, because it's not. It's this gorgeous little house, and it's got light on all five sides because I've got this beautiful eight-foot skylight. Um, so it's got all these copper uh, you know, accents, but... There is absolutely nothing that would make my house a coffin. And it was such a strange statement. But in any case, you know, there are some people who truly love their houses enough that, you know, I could 
I could see somebody willing that. Right. Um, but uh, but my my wish is to thoroughly love up my house and be out there enjoying the world too. Or or maybe you could make your house when you die. You could have it be your funeral pyre, <laughs> burned in your tiny house. Take it out to Burning Man. Perry Burning is in Man. a dark, place. Dark, <laughs> in a dark place this morning. So speaking of <laughs> copper, however, so for our listeners, um, they can Google Lena Copper Penny Tiny House. That's the name of it, right? Copper Penny. The lucky penny. Lucky, lucky penny. penny. Lucky Penny, I love. Yeah, the Copper Penny is a bar, Michelle. Yeah, that's dead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that died in the eighties. Yeah, not that I know. First, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. So, Lucky can you penny. can you describe it to our listeners? Um, you know, there's so many different styles. Um, can you describe it for our listeners and and tell us what is what is your most favorite um, aspect or feature um, of your tiny house? And then also, tell us what is one thing that, looking back, you definitely would have changed. Absolutely. So my little house is a Vardo. It was inspired. Oh, I'm getting a little feedback. Sounds. You guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're okay. okay. Gotcha. Good. Let's try that again. So my little house is a Vardo. It was inspired by the Vardos used by the Romani people, um, and uh, they're also also known as gypsies, right? It's a little gypsy wagon, and so it has a similar layout to a lot of the other. Vardos in that it's got a little kitchen area on one side um, and it's got a bed that's raised at the back. It's got a little arched roof and the entryway is over one of the short ends of the house. So my house is a little different though than some of the other Vardos I've seen in that instead of having the Molly Croft roof, which is that one that looks like the streetcar where it's popped up at the top and there are windows yeah. in the mm-hmm. sides of the pop-up, I actually have a skylight that runs eight feet of my 14-and-a-half-foot-long house. Wow, wow. Um, so it's more than half the house. I have this big skylight in the top of my house, uh, and that gives the kind of look of the Molly Croft roof, but I get to, uh, to see outside, cool. which is really cool. So when you first walk in the door, you walk into my multi-purpose room, which is a an entryway. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> what? How big is this multi-purpose room? Oh, let's see. It's three feet by uh, probably, let's see, it's, it's 88 inches, so a little less than eight feet. <laughs> so, yeah, about 20 feet. Awesome. Yeah, about 20 square <laughs> feet. So my multi-purpose room is 20 square feet, and uh, it's a closet. It's an entryway. It's a changing room. Um, it could be the bathroom if I were in a place where I needed to be more self-sufficient. I live in a tiny house community, so I don't have to be self-sufficient here, but, but if I were in a place where I needed to be more self-sufficient, I could because there's a little tiny bathtub. Um, there's a drawer that pulls out with my kitty's litter box and I could put a bucket toilet there if I needed to. Um, so that's my, my multi-purpose room. And then you step through and to the right is the kitchen area. I call it a plug and play kitchen because I've got just my, um, just my toaster oven on the, on the countertop, but I also have in my drawers an induction cooktop, crock pot, a mixer, etc. So I can cook just about anything in my little house. Wow. I have a fridge. I have a chest freezer. Uh, I have a Tansu, which is a Japanese storage chest that's stair-step. And my kitty and I use that to get up to the loft, um, the storage loft that's over the door. Uh, He hangs out on the catwalks, and I just get up there if I need to get, you know, switch out. For the listeners, it's it's stunning. (laughs) I'm going to stop you for a minute. Thank you. um, Just because I can. Um, So if, um, for the listeners, this is my favorite part of, of Lena's tiny house is that storage step unit. It is absolutely gorgeous. 
And I'm, I'm also going to challenge you to keep going and also tell us the story about how you found it. Um, okay. That's a pretty cool story, too. So Sure, right. sure. So I was actually looking for cabinets on Craigslist. And, of course, the, the thing that one does when one starts building a tiny house is that the moment your eyes open in the morning and right before you drift off to sleep and any other chance you have free time throughout the day, you're looking at Craigslist, right? Yes, you're trying yes, to look through totally. free materials and sale yeah. materials and just see if there's any amazing, fabulous stuff that you must integrate into your house today. <laughs> um, so I ended up, while looking for cabinets, hoping to find you know old kitchen cabinets I could repurpose, I found this Japanese Tansu on Craigslist and the guy was asking 200 bucks which I knew was a total steal so Ugh. I just sent him a note and said I have to have your tansu for my gypsy wagon and I told him about it and he writes back and he says my wife and I are captured by the tail of your gypsy wagon and we'd love to have you have it if you're interested so he arranged for me to go and and take a look and uh, he said so you know is 200 okay and I said yes I didn't haggle at all <laughs> I'll be there in five minutes <laughs> exactly so um, so I love my little tansu and the, the greatest thing about it I think is that they were downsizing wow. and I said oh that's great me too <laughs> um, yeah, but it was just perfect, and it fit perfectly into the house, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't planned. Uh, that part of it wasn't planned. I was actually going to have a bench there, and if I ever remodel, I'll probably put in a bench. But I do love my tansu. Nice. Um, the other thing I really love, though, and this is this is my favorite part of the house, is that my bed actually opens up. It the frame of it pulls out, and then the mattress unfolds, and it makes into a full size bed. So during the day, it's a window seat, and then at night. I can open it up and have it be a full-size bed. And so I can lay there and I can look at the stars and the clouds. I can watch the rain. I can watch the birds and the butterflies and the tree over my bed. And that's my very favorite thing about my house. Oh, so what's one thing you would change? I would have done my roof a little differently. I absolutely love the exposed rafters. I made glue lamb rafters for my roof. And they're beautiful. I was really lucky to be able to borrow a jig from somebody who had built glue lamb rafters for Avardo. And I was able to, to borrow that jig and build my glue lambs. But building my roof was a real pain in the butt. And it took a long time. And I ended up writing a blog post. You can read all about it in Plan F Take Two. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. So that was really a struggle. At the time that I built my house, I built my house using sips for the walls. I worked with Patrick Shugru from Artisan Tiny House, and I've worked with him since on a couple other houses, and we've, we've really had a great, great time doing that. Um, the thing was, at the time, he couldn't yet do a curved roof, and he can now. So if I had it to do over again, I would absolutely have just done that, because then my house could have been dried in in a weekend. We ended up getting the walls up in an hour and a half. My water-resistant barrier was done by the end of the second day. My rafters went up on the third day. And then it took me six weeks to get the roof finalized. Uh, wow. wow. So if I had it to do over again, I absolutely would have gone with a curved SIP roof. I would have been done with, you know, my house having its shell built um, in a weekend. I probably could have gotten my, my windows and, and such done. If, I, if I'd had a week, I could have gotten totally dried in. Um, so that would have enabled me to get a little more sleep during that part of my build. <laughs> did you, did you, how did you fund your build? I funded my build through a retirement account that I started when I was 18 years old. Um, so I was 18. I was working a summer job after my first year of college and I hadn't known anything about investment up to that point. Um, but one of my aunties talked with me about investment and said, you know, I think this could be a good, you know, a good thing for you to be thinking about even now. 
So I socked away the money I saved that summer. I put $1,000 into my account. And from that point, I just put every bit of money I could into that account while I was working, you know, through college. And then I let it sit for a while. And I ended up with a little nest egg of $25,000. And when I thought about whether it made sense to use that money for that purpose, you know, I was also thinking, okay, well, I had to take out some school loans. You know, is it better to just pay that off? And I was actually really surprised when I talked to my tax accountant. He said, oh, no, build the house, start tomorrow, get it done. And I said, that's not what I thought you'd say at all. And he said, well, you wouldn't be able to get a loan to build your house probably, considering you've just you know graduated from school. Um, I finished up my, my master's degree a couple of years ago. And he said, but you know, you've got the school loans. If you can get this house built and use that money to do it, then you'll have money coming in you know, in terms of not having your housing expenses be so high, and then you'll be able to start, you know, paying down the loans. So I thought that was a really interesting perspective. And I was, I was a little nervous about it because I thought, you know, hey, this is a retirement account. You know, I'm supposed to save this for, you know, when I really need it and it's going to grow and all of that. And, and I got to thinking about how just in my lifetime, I've seen enough volatility in our, in our market and I, you know, the economic, um, system that we have in America and throughout the world, really. Um, but just realizing that the economic system we have right now probably won't exist when I'm 65 years old. And knowing that I have a roof over my head provides a certain amount of financial security and emotional um, comfort that made it seem like it was an okay thing to do. I'm, I'm still young enough that I can create a retirement account, you know, the old-fashioned way. Um, but whether or not that works, I know I've got a little place to call home. That was a brilliant uh, thought process that uh, your tax person helped you think through. I think so. You've talked about, you've talked about relationships um, and family and your future. So tell us a little bit about the people that are closest to you. Um, are they in the tiny house movement? Um, do your parents think you're crazy? Um, <laughs> like, tell us about the, the people that, that you're surrounded with and, and their support or lack of your, your uh, sort of uh, anti-establishmentarianist life. Right. I'm really lucky in that my family is very supportive of what I'm up to. Um, my parents passed when I was pretty little, but my sisters actually have often lived in small spaces too. For a little while there, we had one sister living in a cabin in Alaska with no running water, one living in a glorified tent on an organic farm in Hawaii, one living on a sailboat in a marina in L.A., um, and two others living in a pretty modest little house, um, sweet house with a great view um, in the uh, Pacific Northwest. So it's nothing strange for my family to make a little place home. Uh, and I think that may come from us having shared space because we're a big family, you know, when I was growing up. Um, but it's been great to have so much encouragement and support from my family. And my aunts and cousins uh, are also really supportive and encouraging and think it's, it's a pretty cool thing um, that I've created my own home and I'm helping other people do the same. So I've had some really great support from family. I've also got a lot of friends who are excited about tiny houses. I've had the opportunity to do a friend, a few friends and family consultations uh, for other people in my life who are going, hey, I wonder if I could try this out. And right now, in terms of you know the people I'm close to, one of the very most exciting things for me is that I've been a big fan of co-housing for a long time. And several years ago, I wrote a post called Lina's Vision for Tiny Co-Housing. 
and that was one of the blog posts on my on my blog this is the little life.com and that post talked about how my fantasy would be to combine tiny houses and co-housing by finding a piece of property that has a big house that becomes the common house and then putting tiny houses on the property and that is exactly what we've done so i live in a little community called simply home community and i'm utterly surrounded both you know, physically, actually, truly surrounded, but also kind of having my emotional support from people who also are tiny house enthusiasts. So um, we have four little houses on the property and then four people who live in the big house. And we share the big house in terms of that being the space that we cook meals. We have our house dinners uh, seven nights a week right now. And uh, we have movie nights. We do game nights. We have our house meetings. And we have a beautiful garden. We have a wood shop and a bike shelter. So we've got all these great things, you know, that we share. And we're able to do that in, in a, you know, beautiful place. And to have the support, you know, of other people who also are really interested in sharing our time and our resources and our energy and enthusiasm. And that's been an absolutely fabulous new aspect of my life this past year. That's very cool. I know that's you've been <clears throat> that's something you talked with Perry and I a couple of years ago about really having the dream for that kind of thing. Now, in in the terms of kind of co housing and how it's set up, is it? Um, I don't want to get all zoning and detailing mm-hmm. and whatnot, but <laughs> is it? Uh, I mean, do the people that kind of rented, do they rent the house? Did they own the house? Is it zoned for kind of multi multi facilities on the on the property, or how does that all how did that all come together? Sure. So the house is currently owned by two people, Mm -hmm. and the plan is to transfer ownership to the community itself so that it will be collectively owned. At the moment, it's owned by two people because banks don't really know what to do with collectives. Um, It's much easier for them to look at, you know, two people's credit history and give them a home loan. Um, But the plan is to transfer, transfer ownership to the community because we really are interested in having it be collectively owned. Um, in terms of the zoning, the property is actually zoned single-family residential. So it's not zoned for multifamily, but the reason that it works for us is that we all share the common house. So we're a household that shares the big house. And then we have our tiny houses, which are technically, you know, technically a, a little structure built on top of a trailer and don't have a formal designation in most municipalities. Um, So they're basically considered vehicles in a lot of places. So it's just like having more cars, you know, parked at our place. Right. I I heard, I don't remember if it was you, so please correct me if I'm wrong. So I heard um, from someone that you had gone to the city and said, this is what we want to do is it okay? And the city's basic response was, well, we're really not quite sure what to do with that and that whole notion. So why don't you just go ahead and do that as long as your neighbors are okay with it? It, it. Is that a really sort of casual summation of what happened or am I completely off base? That's pretty close, Michelle. Um, When we went and talked with the city about it, this was several years ago now, but we went and talked with the city about it. They didn't know, know a whole lot about tiny houses yet. But uh, when we talked with building, they're like, so the house is permitted, right? And we said, oh, yeah, yeah, the house is permitted. They said, 
and the other stuff's all on wheels. And we said, yeah. And they said, well, then it's not our jurisdiction. And so they passed us to zoning. And then we talked about lot coverage and we talked about setbacks and so forth and so on. And finally, somebody said, so let me get this straight. You've got six people sharing a primary dwelling and then they've got some RVs parked on the property. And I said, well... And then there was a wink in it. (laughs) So I said, yes, that's exactly what we're up to. (laughs) That's so shitty. That was how it ended up happening here. You know, I've talked with people all across the country about Tiny House Community, and we're seeing some great examples now of people who are making it work in other places. There's a place called Lemon Cove in California where there's an RV park that's being turned into a tiny house community. Nice. There's a place down in Florida called Orlando Lakefront that is welcoming tiny houses. Yeah, it's and then, so beautiful. I've seen the pictures of it. It's just, I want to go live there, and I don't even like Florida. <laughs> right? I keep threatening to go visit James. I'm looking forward to it. I know. <laughs> But there are also some folks who are looking at doing planned unit developments that would allow them to have clustered small homes that would be ground-bound. And I think for a lot of folks, that would really be appealing, too. Um, There's certainly an investment financially in that that we weren't in a position to make. Um, But I'm excited to see all the different models that that take place. Uh, Another is the way that Boneyard Studios Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. used a piece of property that was otherwise unbuildable and put you know, put some tiny houses on it as a showcase to show what it could look like to have tiny house community. And finally, there are a couple of kind of government-supported tiny house communities, Opportunity Village down in Eugene, Oregon, and then Quixote Village up in Olympia, Washington. We're actually talking so, with them in the next month, I think. I think Perfect. So, yeah. Cool. Hey, um, without giving specific details, where in Portland is your community? We're in northeast Portland. Northeast We're in the, Portland. in the Cully neighborhood. Oh, 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 that's where Eric lives. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Right, right on. That's we're pretty sure we're the epicenter of the epicenter of the tiny house universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. Actually, we're taking the podcast on the road, and we're going to be actually doing a podcast from a tiny house in that neighborhood pretty soon. Ooh, cool! And just for clarification for our listeners, the tiny house podcast is the epicenter of the tiny house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fighting gloves are on <laughs> until we're irrelevant. In that until case. we're irrelevant. <laughs> until you Which has happened really yes. quick. Yeah. No, it's it's actually really interesting, though. We realized when we started tallying up, we think there are about 20 houses in our neighborhood, 20 wow. tiny houses. So wow. that was kind of neat. You know, the, the lots are big in this yeah. neighborhood, and that yeah. makes it really easy to tuck a tiny house in here and there. It's really beautiful. So. Do you guys have kind of a meetup with the people outside of the community now and then, or has that happened yet? We've done it on kind of a casual basis, you know, having people over for supper. Um, we've had, there's some folks who are building a tiny house down the street, so we've had them over. Um, we've had some other folks who live around the corner, and we've had them over. We've got invitations out to a couple others, and we're just playing scheduling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we've actually talked about doing a tiny house progressive party um, and going oh, from house to house with teeny fun. tiny treats. Oh, can I be on the, can you put me on the invite list even though I don't live there? <laughs> no. Just kidding. <laughs> bring the main yeah. meal. Stay go. tuned, Michelle. <laughs> so, is there any? So, I when you were describing your community, and it does sound—I have to admit—it does sound kind of cool. But I, but as a kind an introvert and a not really a big community player, I. I Are wonder, you saying narcissist? No. Yeah, it might be. It might be that I'm a little blind to my own foibles. <laughs> is there anybody in your community who just wants to live in their tiny house and like not participate in the c- cookings and the. The kumbayas and... Well, it's not mandatory. It's not like they drag somebody out there. Well, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Oh, I know. Okay. Gotcha. So is, is it, what's, it, what's it like? 
So we do have a few set of a few sets of requirements for our community. We created a set of community living agreements, and that was a document. It's a it's a dynamic document. It's always shifting and evolving, but that document lays out our expectations for ourselves in community. And so we expect that everyone in our community will participate in work parties or at least do work for the community. If you can't make it to the weekly week par- work party, sorry, if you can't make it to the weekly work party, but you do a couple hours of work for the community at some other point throughout the week, uh, we have four meetings a month. We have two that are about logistics, you know, making sure that we've got everything kind of falling into place. And the other two are what we call our heart meetings. And those are about getting to know each other better. And so our last heart meeting actually took place at the soaking pool at McMinimins. Um, So we hung out there and talked about what we love about our community and what we'd like to improve. Um, So there's a requirement to attend two of the meetings every month. So people can either come to the logistics or the heart meetings or both or all of them. But we do expect that of community members. We also have rotating chores that we do. And supper club's not required, but it's highly encouraged because that's really the place where we connect with each other is over supper. Um, you know, we've had a couple people who weren't as interested in being fully engaged in the community who have lived here. And actually both of them have now moved out, um, because they were looking for something where they were, you know, able to live in a little place of their own, but not necessarily have that level of engagement with the community. And what we found that is that, um, our community really takes a certain level of engagement to yeah, really it thrive. Like, it sounds like it. Is there, there, how many men and how many women live there? We're half and half right now, That's which is pretty cool. So, so yeah. is there any sort of uh, romantic interlude or drama or anything like that happening in this community? Oh, don't you want to know? Yeah, I do want to uh, know. <laughs> just, just in the tiny church. <laughs> you have to come over for dinner and find out. <laughs> He, he's been waiting all episode to ask. Okay, so, so we also heard that you have a boyfriend. Oh, that's public? Oh, oh my goodness. See, we actually had this deal that we weren't going to tell everybody about it yet. Because we both have blog posts pending. We both keep blogs. Uh-oh. Cats out of the bag. Well, this won't I be know. live for a while. No, seriously, it won't be live for a while. We're, we're backed up on, on episodes, so... Okay. All right. Well, then I'll go ahead and give you the scoop as long as you can wait to air it for a little while. We will embargo it. Yes. yes. Okay. So the scoop is that I have fallen in love with the guy next door. Ah! <laughs> I knew it. So he lives in a tiny house, too. We have his and hers tiny houses. And uh, he moved in to the tiny house community and to rent a tiny house and see if it's what he wants to do, just like I did a couple years ago. And we ended up totally hitting it off. So we had a big conversation with the community about it, and they were all thumbs up, thought it was super cool, and were supportive. So we are now scheming a tiny house for two. Aww. You guys are going to build one? Yeah. Wow. How long have you guys known each other? Since June. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, so it's so cool. it's recent, but it's serious, and we're really excited. So um, so wait a second. So the, the 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 Vardo that you live in is it yours or are you renting? It's mine. That's, okay. Yeah, okay. She, got she it. tested one a couple years ago. Got it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so are you guys scheming on building one and having it then on the same property, perhaps, or is that we'd still... love to? Uh-huh. Um, we'll we'll see what ends up happening by the time that all shakes out. Interesting. Yeah. Was there any concern in the community that? Uh, 
oh my god, all of a sudden you guys kind of got two votes that you're like, you know, <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, there's... Well, everybody has a vote, right. you know, and so that works. Okay. It's it's certainly possible that he and I are going to be on the same page about things. In fact, we better be. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have a married couple in our community as well, um, okay. and they get, oh. you know, they each get their own vote too, and sometimes they're on the same page and sometimes they're not, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. Um, but we do have another couple in the community as well, so there's precedent for that. How, back to the, the community overall, how, how, do, how are the tiny houses electrified? So we have permit, we pulled permit to run electricity to several points throughout the yard. Huh. Um, and that was just the sort of permit you do if you were going to, you know, wire for outdoor lighting or, you know, a hot tub or something along those lines. Although I suppose a hot tub might actually require 220 and we didn't have to pull 220. Um, but we, we did run our electrical um, across the property and uh, that's all permitted and that allowed us to have spots throughout the property to plug in. Nice. So that makes it pretty easy. And what about sewer? Does everyone on composting toilets? or? We're able to use the big house, oh, right. um, which really helps a lot because we don't have to deal with, you know, the, the uh, sanitation issue there. Right. So we, we can use the toilet in the big house. We can use the shower in the big house. And a lot of our cooking happens in the big house, too, in terms of having the option to, you know, when we do our house dinners, for instance, we cook in the big house. If I'm just making toast and tea, I usually do that at my place. Um, so I'm fully equipped to live self-sufficiently in my house, um, you know, minus a washing machine and dryer. And a boyfriend. But, um, but I, I, because I have access to the big house and because it's right next door, I'm in and out of the big house throughout the day. I see. So, okay, so back to your boyfriend. So I... <laughs> Seriously, because I'm really wanting to know this. My partner and I were thinking about just playing around with the idea of living in two tiny houses, and uh -huh. we were wondering wh whose tiny house would we spend more time in. So whose tiny house do you guys oh. spend more time in? That's a really good question. We're really trying to be pretty good about being in both houses equally. At the moment, we are three nights at his place, three nights at my place, and one night off every week, um, which is working at the moment. Um, we spend time in both houses, you know, hang out in both houses. One thing I think is kind of funny is that he prefers my aesthetic. Um, the house that he's living in is called the rustic. And that was, um, bless his heart. That's Tony's cowboy carpentry. Um, we love it. It's a really cool house, but it definitely is a different aesthetic. Whereas I'm a little more gypsy wagon and, you know, fancy woodwork and so forth. Um, so my sweetie really likes the woodwork and, you know, the aesthetic of my house, but he really loves being home. Yeah. So he likes to spend time uh, in his house as well. So it's it's going to be really fun. I told him the other day, I was teasing, I was like, so you love being home. It's going to be really nice when our home is the same place. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, it's, you know, it's really nice to be, to be able to pass back and forth, you know, between the two houses and have that be so easy. You know, it's, I can flash my flashlight in his window and, uh, you know, just ask, you know, pointing fingers like you over here, me over there to figure out, you know, where we're going to meet up to catch up about our day. Oh, yeah. Meet up. So it's we really nice. <laughs> meet up. I can always run home and grab up. it or vice versa. So that's really nice. Yeah. That's very cool. So do you anticipate your, do you anticipate that your, um, your design um, aesthetics, um, any challenges in building a house together? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to not anticipate there'd be challenges yeah uh, but I also feel like now that I've had the opportunity to work with several other people on their builds I've got a pretty good sense of how to ask 
helpful questions to move the design forward. So uh, in my classes, in my design classes, I have a set of worksheets that I help people um, to work through in order to evaluate some of their considerations. And I'm actually going to be teaching a Tiny House Considerations e-course this fall um, to help talk people through some of those different decisions to make. So I think I'm, I'm well positioned in terms of the two of us having the chance to have some really good conversations around what's important to us and what matters most and what would make our hearts sing so that we can create a little house together uh, rather than it being his house or my house. Right, right. Very cool. Um, do you want to, while we're on the subject of your e-course, do you want to plug any of your other workshops right now? Oh, sure. Let's see. Um, so I'm going to be teaching, as I said, the Tiny House Considerations e-course. I'm going to be doing a downsizing workshop in January, which should be a lot of fun. Um, Where's that at? Yeah. Those are both going to be e-courses. They'll okay. be they'll be an online system. So we'll have a, a lesson and a challenge every week and then a chance for everybody to get together and talk about it in a virtual format. Um which I'm really looking forward to. I've, saw, I've taught some downsizing courses uh, here in Portland before, and they were always in person, which was super fun. But I'm really interested. I've had people all across the country say they're interested in learning more about downsizing, so I figured it would be fun to do it in a way that people can create a support <clears throat> network across the country. So, And our listeners can those. go to your website to hear about that and sign up? Yeah, you oh, can, absolutely. Awesome. And then I also am going to be teaching a design workshop through Yes Tomorrow Design Build School called Less is More. That will be in January in Vermont. And I'm hoping to do another design workshop here on the West Coast, too, because there are so many West Coasters who are designing this uh, winter. And then we were also, because our listeners are really all over the world, we were wondering, do you deliver workshops any other than the e-courses? Do you deliver workshops anywhere else other than Yes Tomorrow and here? I haven't yet, but I am planning to. Okay. Um, and one of the things I'm doing this year is I'm offering what I call the package deal. And I'm only opening this up to five people, and I've currently got seven who are interested. So we're, we're going to see how it all shakes out. But the package deal is basically that somebody has the opportunity to go through the tiny house considerations e-course, the downsizing e-course, work on a custom tiny home design with me, then I do project management to help them get their quotes for their windows and their waterproof, you know, water-resistant barrier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so that everything is prepared. And then we do a one-week build blitz to get their house as far along as possible. So those workshops, those build blitzes are going to take place across the country. I've got some folks interested right now in Arizona. I've got folks interested in Utah, uh, Colorado, and Portland. So are the, these blitzes, do you go to that location and help them blitz their home? Yes. Wow. And it's kind of a barn raising where there's Fun. other people then there? Exactly. Awesome. Are, are, your, are your expectations to build their house in the way that you built yours were, went really quickly, minus the roof? Right. So my hope is, um, you know, a lot of the folks I've talked to are interested in using structural insulated panels. Right. And certainly we can do stick framing too. It just takes a lot longer. Yeah. Um, so if people are interested in doing SIPs in particular, we can get pretty far in a week. Um, the last time we did, I did kind of a pilot of this this past year, working with some clients through their design process and some project management and then into their, their build. And the first day of their build, we did the floor and two of the walls. The second day, we did the other two walls and put the roof on. The third day, we did the water-resistant barrier and put in the windows. The fourth day, we 
did the exterior uh, trim and rain screen. Fifth day, the roofer came out, and the sixth day, they started on their siding. Wow. So if it's a SIPS house, it can go pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, if it's cool. stick-built, it takes a little longer. You yeah. know, we just worked on a tiny house build. I taught a two-week tiny house design build class with Yes Tomorrow here in Portland that just wrapped up on Friday. And uh, that class, we had 14 students. Most of them were brand new to building. And they were also in the design studio. We did field trips. We had presentations. So they weren't exclusively building. Um, but in two weeks, we managed to get the house framed and sheathed. And that was awesome progress, um, but didn't get nearly as far along as we would have had it been six. So. so I presume that you're probably going to do more than one of these um, package deals. How much are they for our listeners? So the package deal right now I'm offering at 4950 which is a big chunk of change, but I'm pretty sure I'll be saving people money in the long run um, to be able to have that support along the way and avoid a lot of the mistakes that newbies make. Money Um, money and time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you consider how many nights awake uh, they won't be spending trying to figure out the order of operations, um, I think it'll probably be a a really good investment in their little homes. Nice. Uh, Other than them writing a check, but what else kind of what other things do they need to be ready for and provide to to really get this going right? Yeah, we start out, you know, really getting to know people's priorities, what's most important to them, what their hopes and dreams are, and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, So a willingness to engage in that process is is a key part of the commitment to the package deal. People do need to have their funding in place and need to have thought about who the people are in their lives that are going to be resources in terms of helping out. Um, I often remind people as we start on this process that your resources aren't just going to be financial or with regard to your own energy or time, but it's also going to be the people in your life that are going to be your cheerleaders or who can, you know, bring lunch or, um, You know, just just a lot of different roles that people can play in supporting a tiny house build. Mm -hmm. So those are all things that I help people consider and think through. So it's really just a willingness to be as all in as possible without having to do it all on your own. That's great. And when is the first package deal expected to launch? I have a couple clients in the warmer part of the world who are looking at a launch probably in January or February. So we'll see. That's really awesome. I haven't I haven't heard about um, anyone else in the tiny house world kind of doing that all encompassing, you know, downsizing and planning. And um, that sounds like a really awesome project and an awesome plan. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited too. You know, as I've thought about it, I've realized there are a lot of folks who want to have a tiny house built for them. And I could do that, but I'm not interested in doing that. I really want to help people along the journey. And there are certainly people who are doing it completely DIY, and that's awesome too. But there are a lot of folks who are in the middle. You know, they want to do it themselves, but they don't know each step along the way and want want some guidance. So I'm excited to be able to offer it. And like you said, I don't know anybody else who is doing it this way. and I think it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time. Very yeah, cool. yeah, it does. It does sound like a lot of fun. So one last question. Um, so if you could, um, we're looking for one piece of advice for all the tiny house enthusiasts out there that are that are thinking about planning a tiny or thinking about living in a tiny. 
when they in the very very beginning of their of their planning process what's your what's your advice for those people get inside one and if you can stay there <laughs> so i would say the opportunity to actually be inside a tiny house any tiny house is a good way to start getting a sense of how big a space really is. Because when you see the pictures online, especially if they're taken with a fish angle lens, it's really hard to get a good sense of how big the spaces are. So stepping inside can both help you to get a more realistic sense if you think they're too small or if you think they're too big. Um, so that, that, I would say, would be the biggest the biggest piece of advice. And if you have the opportunity to stay in a tiny house overnight at caravan the tiny house hotel or bayside bungalow i know there's some other places popping up now too and a lot of folks are starting to rent through airbnb get yourself inside as many small spaces as you can take pictures take notes and carry a tape measure good good advice really really good advice so lena thank you so much for being with us today we went a little bit over time but it was feel felt like wonderfulness wonderfulness (laughs) <laughs> and I'm glad you had a chance to uh, to promote your workshops, too. And uh, thank you for making time to be with us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations on bye. your relationship, too. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>